time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, well, we are in the middle of this 40-day fast. We have people fasting everything from totally fasting food to people fasting their girlfriend, which is glorious, to uh, (laughs) we have people fasting vegetables, which is funny. We have some people fasting iTunes. We have some of you that are fasting computers. Some of you that are fasting, it's interesting, lots of different things. Some of you are fasting a we. <laughs> Some of you are fasting. There's, it's just, there's, there's so many different things. But we're in the middle of this 40-day fast. And, uh, last week, we talked about Caleb. And for 40 days, Caleb and Joshua went into the promised land and scouted it out. And then when the other, spy, the other 10 spies came back with a bad report, they came back and said, we can take the, we can take the land. The week before that, we talked about faithfulness, and we talked about Noah. Noah, 40 days on the boat. It rained for 40 days. Tonight, we're going to talk about a man named David. 40 days, Goliath, the giant, the Philistine, ranted and raved that he could beat or defeat the Philistines. And for 40 days, many sat in fear. And David was the one that you know the story that went and fought Goliath. And so we're going to talk about David tonight. And so uh, let's pray together. And then if you have your Bible, get out your Bible. We've got so much Bible to read tonight. We're probably going to be here till at least 11 o'clock reading. And so uh, <laughs> I love that. All right. Father, we love you. I thank you for DSM. Thank you for these high school students. Thank you for what you're doing as you call us to be missionaries on every campus. Thank you for the way that you're raising up missionaries on every campus in the city. Thank you for the way that you're raising up prayer leaders on every campus in the city. Thank you for the way that when we pray, you work and many will come to salvation. God, we just thank you for the testimony of faith tonight. And we pray for a thousand more like her, Lord God. We ask, Lord Jesus, that this would be the early days of a youth movement that changes the city and changes a generation, God. We thank you for what you're going to do. We love you and we honor you. And everybody said amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17. We're in First Samuel 17, and I'm going to read this. Get ready. I'll try to be as entertaining as I can because there's a whole lot of Bible to read here. And so get ready and let's rumble. There's a lot of funny names. And so, uh, and so just be prepared to not know some of these words. And I'm saying that because I'm probably going to mess many of them up. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sakah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Sakah and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled, assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. So here's what's happening. Israelites are fighting the Philistines. Israelites are the promised covenant people of God. Israelites are the people that God has said, through you I will display my glory and I'll use you to be a blessing to the entire world. And now the Philistines are, are literally uh, chanting at them. They are wanting to defeat them. And so in the middle of two different... Uh, fields, there's a valley, all right? And so that's the valley of Elah. All right, here we go. Verse three, the Philistines occupied one hill, all right, up there on this one, and the Israelites on the other with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of, of, scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs... 
he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. So that means back here, all right? His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its, its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer, his shield bearer uh, went ahead of him. So someone else carrying the shield. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Saul's the king at this point, King Saul. Choose a man and have him come down to me. So what he's saying is, is he's saying, instead of having all of us fight each other in the middle of the valley, send out your champion. I'm, I'm the Philistine champion. Send out just one. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, he will become your subjects. But if, I'm able, if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. So in our context, it would be like saying, I defy the church. I defy covenant people of God. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Let's just hit on that, verse 11. On hearing this, Saul, so that's the king. It's this, the posture of heart of the king. Saul and all his Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were in fear. Verse 12. Now David was the son of an Ephrite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem. Who else was from Bethlehem? Good. In Judah. Jesse had eight sons. How many sons? Eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second son, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. All right? Shammah. What do you want it to be? Shammah or Shammah? What? Let's go with Shammah, because it sounds like the NBA, and right now we're hoping that the Lakers lose, and so Shammah over the Lakers. Okay. All right. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Okay, so David is the youngest, all right? David's going back and forth from Bethlehem, where he lives, to, to the battlefield, all right? Here it is. For 40. How many? For how many? 40. Come on, how many? 40. For 40 days. Say 40 days. 40. For 40 days, the Philistine, meaning Goliath, came forward every morning. Every morning and evening and took a stand. So Goliath comes out. And most of you, when you think about this, you know, you, many of you, are, I know, are thinking of VeggieTales or some, you know, I'm a small little lad with a sling in my hand and five stones that are small, flat and round. It's a cute little salty to sing songbook or something. That's my generation and, and uh, your parents' generation. But anyway, and so you don't even know what that is. That's all right. Okay. And so, salty the singing songbook, what's he talking about? All right. That, well, sorry. That's, okay. There it is. All right, so Goliath comes out, and morning and night, day and night, day and night, he yells out and taunts Israel, which is interesting because, you know, what we read about in Revelation is the same idea that the enemy in Revelation says, day and night, comes after us. And so anyway, this enemy, Goliath, day and night, comes out, takes his stand on the battlefield, waiting for someone 
And so here's David's story. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward evening, morning and evening and took a stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along, take along these 10 cheeses. It's <laughs> a lot of cheeses. Take along the, is that 10 different kinds of cheese? Or, I don't know. Ten, take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of the unit, of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Ephah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine, champion from Gath, Nine feet tall, accusing morning and night, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Skip to verse 33. Saul talks to David. So, so, you are not able to go out and fight the Philistines. So let me just tell you what happened. So David says, hey, what's going on here? I could take this guy, da-da-da-da-da. And he goes and he talks to Saul and says, hey, I want to go take this cat out. I know he's nine feet tall, but I have a sling and I can win. All right, verse 33. You are not able to go out against the Philistines, says the king to the little man. I assume that he's small because God loves short people more than anything. All right. All right, all right, good, all right. All right, he loves tall people too, I know. All right, I know but not as much. All right. <laughs> You're not able to go out against his Philistines and fight him. You are only a boy. And he, was, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear... Okay, so David says, all right, I've been watching my father's sheep. So a shepherd, the primary job of a shepherd, everybody knows is to protect the sheep. That's what shepherds do. It's not glorious. It's not awesome. We've kind of made it awesome because when we think back, you know, we are like, we, you know, we know the stories about, you know, John 10, Jesus is the shepherd. And we've heard so many stories about shepherding from this time because this was a common occupation in these days. But this was not a glorious occupation. This was like low man on the totem pole. Shortest guy has to do it. This is, this is, the, this is a tough job. All you do is go out there, sheep are dumb, and you've got to make sure they don't die. That's your job. Sit there all day, make sure no one kills them. That's what you do. That's what a shepherd's about. A shepherd's protecting sheep, make sure that no one kills them. Okay, so under that context, and you understand what happens here. So, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping the father's sheep. When a lion or, or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I ran in fear. No, verse 35. We're talking about a lion or a bear. When a lion or a bear, just, I mean, just, I mean, Bear with me here for a moment. I, that, no, that, was not, that was an accident. That was an accident. All right. I promise that was an accident. I mean, I didn't mean, that, that's not in my notes. All I have is the Bible. That's all it is. It's just, all right. Okay, so. Sorry. All right. So, okay, so get this. So, <laughs> 
when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I, David, I, little guy, I mean, they're already talking about, how, you know, David's just the smallest, all right, I went after it, struck it. That means with your fist. That means I, David, shepherd boy, and I know many of you think, you know, shepherd boy, sweet, curly hair, rosy cheeks, smiling, we probably had braces, and... And you think David was the little guy that did great things for God. Just, just, just think about this for a moment. David grabs the lion. Strikes it. I went after it. I chased after a lion. I chased after a bear. <laughs> Struck it. Pop! I mean, hit like, what's up, boy? I mean... It's like, never mind. I've never, this is funny. Struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And this is my favorite part. And when it turned on me, I ran. No. When it, it, the lion. When the lion turned on me, seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. All right. Oh, we have so much more Bible to read. We haven't even gotten started yet. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. So this isn't, he wasn't saying, um, if a lion or a bear hypothetically were to come after me, then I would be bold and I would be strong and I would be so hard and I would do this. No, he's saying past tense, here's what I've done. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And then he does this. This is kind of when his snarl comes out. This Goliath, he's got all my big brothers in fear. He kind of likes that a little bit. He's going to get back at him a little bit. He's got to run the cheeses to him. He feels kind of like a wimp. But he says this. He says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This is, this is, what, this is the grit. This is what I want you to get tonight. There's a lot more to get tonight, but I'm sorry. This. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Why? Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, there it is. He says, let me tell you my motive. Let me tell you my strength. Let me tell you who empowers me. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. (laughs) All right. Okay, so now let's skip forward to verse 41. Okay, you ready? You okay? You alive? All right. If you're alive, grab the person next to you by the hair and strike him. Good. Just making sure you're with me. All right. Sorry, Nico. Tara just took Nico out. Okay, here we go. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his, with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. Okay, so here it is. Goliath and David, it's the war. Here we go. He looked over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome. In short, because he was handsome. And he despised him. Why? Because he was not as big as him. He said to David... So here it is, Goliath coming out, David coming out. David is, we got three adjectives. He's a boy, check. He's ruddy, check. That means red, by the way. If you want to look that up, that means red. So if you're a redhead, then you and David got something in common. So that means that he probably had like red hair. We don't know. We, it could mean that he had rosy red cheeks like a painting, but we think, most scholars think that it means he has red hair. So that's what ruddy means. And then handsome. <laughs> and that means that Goliath was jealous because jo- Goliath was ugly. All right. And he despised him. He said to him, here it is. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. And I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So everybody else is running in fear. Okay, that's what all the other, that's what David's brothers are doing, you know. Eliab and Shema and the other guys. They, they're, all, they're all fearful. David's fearless. They're scared. David's not. But this is another moment because this is not just the moment where David goes out on the field. But now Goliath, the enemy, is looking straight at David. It used to be, let me just taunt all the enemies of, all, all of Israel. I'll just taunt the entire enemy. But now it's specific. Now he's looking at David. Now he's looking at him specifically, at a guy, at an individual. And the enemy has a plan to take out this individual warrior. He says to him, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the, said to the Philistine, you come, with me, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you. Not, but I, but I tolerate you because I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to just tolerate you and I'm not going to give in to you. No, different to this enemy. David talks back to the enemy, which I love. Talks back to the enemy. But I come against you. I have, the, you've declared war against me. I will declare war against you. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me. That's faith. And I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. <laughs> oh, he's not done. Today, I will give the carcasses. Can you imagine? He looks at Goliath's friends and calls them carcasses. And not just you, you old man. Today, I will give the carcasses, you and your buddies. This is a guy with some cheese and some bread and a slingshot. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. (laughs) And all those gathered here, meaning my side, your side, the beasts, the birds, whoever else is a part of this narrative, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David said, I'm so sorry. I'm scared now. No. As Goliath moved closer, as Goliath attacked, as, a, as Goliath was on the edge, coming after him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love that. David, when, when the enemy came after him, David ran to the battle line. When I was in eighth grade, my favorite song was by this uh, worship leader who was kind of the first to grow out the mullet in those days, early 90s. And um, Stephen Kirsch Chapman followed, but this guy, he, he, he had the mullet before Stephen Kirsch Chapman ever, ever did. And uh, do you even know who that is? All right, sorry. All right, that's the time clock. That's like, yeah, okay. So Tyrell knows because of his mom. Uh, all right, so, but anyway, so, so my, favorite, my favorite song when I was in eighth grade, me and my friends, we'd like, get, you know, you know how like if you're at a football game, um, you know, they, they put on like, we are the champions or something like that. Or, you know, like, put on some music before the football game. Any football, any, any athletes know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like this hype you up kind of thing. All right, well, we literally would listen to this song that was, like, by Steve Camp. And it was this song called Run to the Battle. 
and it was talking about some people want to live in the sound of chapel bells, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gate from hell. And with every soul you meet, I'll take them the gospel and share it well. And look around you as you hesitate for another soul just fell. Let's run to the battle. And me and my eighth grade buddies, man, we'd, people want to live. It was kind of like that, you know, it's the only rock music our parents would let us listen to. And we'd, and we'd sing this song, this song about running to the battle. And the intriguing thing to me, and I'll keep going here in a minute, but the intriguing thing to me right here is this idea that this guy, this worshiper on the hillside who worships God, who knows God, he's the guy who's famous for writing quite a few songs. We call them the Psalms. Not bad. Pretty impressive. Spent a lot of time with God. The worshiper in the moment of crisis, in the moment of opportunity, in the moment of the battle, the worshiper becomes the warrior. When there's a warrior needed, the man who doesn't have fear, the man who isn't running away, but running toward the battle is the worshiper. And what happens? Because the person who worships, the person who stands before God, declares to God who he is, the person who gets their eyes fixed on God, in the end knows this isn't about me, this isn't about you. There's a bigger story going on there's someone that's more powerful and he can look and say, you defy the armies of the living God, I'll take you out, sucker. That kind of guy. And the way that he becomes a warrior, the way, the way is not because he did the most push-ups. The way that he becomes a warrior, I'm telling you, even if he, David, at whatever, whatever capacity he had, and his physical strength, he would have died on the battlefield if it wasn't for God. It took God in the battle to win. But God wants to stand with the people that worship him and take risks in faith. And so when David says, all right, you defy the armies of the living God, I'm coming after you. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David, little red-headed David, five foot five, squeaky voice. What are you laughing at? So, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. It means not the traditional way of fighting. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. I just, you would think, you know, that's enough, David. I mean, the Bible, this is the Bible. He's already dead, right? Did, did you, let, me, let me make sure you caught that. With a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. The sling and the stone killed him. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And killed him. So he's already dead. There's something nutty about David. There's something about David that's ferocious. There's something about David that... Well, just listen to this. David ran and stood over him. He took the Philistine sword because he didn't have one. (laughs) And he wasn't going to be like, oh, let me try to do this with my hand. You know, like, wasn't going to work. Karate chop him. Those all. David ran and stood over him, okay? He took hold of the Philistine sword, so he's dead on the ground, dead. You got to get that. Goliath's already dead. 
And I know you learned this in children's church, but now you're grown-ups. I mean, you're high school, you know, you've, most of you have gone through some degree of puberty. We can give you the real story now. All right? Here you go. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard after he killed him. He's already dead. We already got that point twice. The word killed has already been there twice. Killed him, killed him. He's dead. Now we have an action verb. He is about to do something when he's already dead. After he killed him, David, psycho, he, after he killed him, cut off his head with his own sword. Ah! Oh my goodness me. Welcome to Children's Church. He, he, he cuts off. They didn't, they didn't show this in VeggieTales. Yeah, the big pickle, the big pickle, he didn't get, you know, I mean, no, it was this. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, the Philistines, oh my, Goliath's dead. This is what I love. One victory, one big victory by God, one big victory, one guy that has faith. One guy that isn't timid. One guy that's bold. One guy that's strong. One guy that says, you don't know who my God is. He wins. And when the Philistines saw that Goliath, their hero, was dead, then they turned and ran. All of a sudden, then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. These guys were scared before. What did it take? One man with faith, one man with boldness, one man who said, you come after me, swords and spears, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. You've defied the army of the living God, and so I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed the carcasses of your friends to the animals. Yeah, I'm crazy, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah, one guy like that, one man of God like that, and not only did the others end up turning and run. But he rallied in one moment the entire fearful army. The army that was scared and timid and for 40 days had been nervous. The man of God rallied him. The worshiper stood in the crisis. And the worshiper became the warrior. The worshiper said, no, no, you don't know who my God is. I sing songs to him. Read Psalm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Read David's Psalms and you'll have great confidence that David had confidence in God. That David had great confidence in the power of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God, the splendor of God, the activity of God, the greatness of God, the grandeur of God, the omniscience of God. David was consumed with God. And so when the enemy came against him, it's the worshiper that has the strength to be the warrior. Most people think, well, if you want to be a warrior, go work on your skill set. Go do more push-ups. Go learn how to be a fighter. But what's needed is the man who trusts in God. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. One miracle. One miracle. And all the enemies of God are running. One miracle. One man of God believes for one thing. God does one thing and all of a sudden... All of those who moments ago were accusing, they're filled with fear. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout, pursued the Philistines to the road to Gath. When the the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered the camp. David took the Philistines' head. Wait a minute. 
David took the Philistine's head, which Philistine? Goliath, and brought it to Jerusalem. Psycho. Wait a minute. I thought, I thought in the, in the, in the, in the cartoon of David and Goliath that he just, whoop, 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 that big giant lay dead on the ground. Whee, let's celebrate. No. No. Not only was there, then it was, then it was, then it was, but then, then, from the valley of Elah, David doesn't just like, you know, leave the head on the ground. He, t- he picks it up. Carries it to Jerusalem. That is a very big head. If you were nine feet tall, that is a large cranium. That is a big old head. He's holding it. Smiling. I'll tell you why in a minute. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. As Saul watched David going to meet the Philistines, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner said, as surely as you know, O king, as surely as you live, O king, I do not know. Then the king said, find out whose son that young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. (laughs) With David still holding the Philistine's head. He's still holding it. Now, why is David holding it? Let me tell you something. In Israel, in Israel, when you won a battle, it was tradition to go and take the head of the king that you had defeated. You cut off his head in this day. The king, then you bring back the head to the victorious king. All right? And then that king, I know this is going to gross some of you girls out, but just bear with me. Some of you fellows are, are liking this. Then that king, the victorious king, he would make the, 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 the king that he had conquered, he would make it his footstool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Listen. I ain't lying. Read your Bible. So then the victorious king would make the one that he defeated, he, it was symbolic of saying, I beat this guy and his armies. I'm victorious. Now here's the intriguing thing. Psalm 110 is the most quoted scripture, the most quoted, New Te- most quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. Number one, Psalm 110. So whenever, so I, now this is some Bible, so let me be, let me be your pastor for a minute, okay? Pretend like you're in Bible school, all right? So whenever you have a psalm, all right, that's talking about the Messiah, that's called a messianic psalm, all right? Say messianic, big word of the night. That's because it's talking about the Messiah, all right? Psalm 110 is the most quoted uh, psalm in the New Testament. So Jesus comes. Jesus forever defeats Satan on the cross. Forever he is victorious. And then when you get into Acts, they start to quote Psalm 110. And here's what Psalm 110 says. It says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies. So this is the Lord. So this is, this is deep. I know you can hang with me here for a minute. You're DSM. You're smarter than the average high school student. Here we go. All right, you can do this. The Lord 
God says to my Lord. So, Father, Son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies, Jesus, a footstool for your feet. Remember that? The footstool? All right. Jesus comes to earth. Jesus lives perfectly. Jesus is without sin. Jesus heals. Jesus defeats sin and Satan. Jesus goes to a cross, totally perfect. Three days later, Jesus raises from the dead. Then Jesus ascends into heaven, forever defeats the enemy. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion and you will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. From the womb of the dawn, your young men will come to you like the dew. Messianic Psalm, speaking about Jesus, talking about the footstool, Jesus will have, literally, Jesus will literally defeat the enemy and there will, verse 3, be... Your young men will come to you like the dew. Young people in mass will come to you voluntarily. Your troops will be willing. It, won't, it will be willing. It will be voluntary. They'll behold who you are. They'll see who you are. And they will voluntarily come to you. Jesus defeated the enemy. Jesus is victorious. When Jesus died on the cross, he forever defeated the enemy. Now we are the ones that spread his, his victory. So imagine the moment where... David, David takes Goliath out and it's done. I mean, it, all, all, that's, all that's left is let's just go plunder the camp because we win. The moment that Goliath went down, they win. The moment that Goliath was, already, was down, I mean, the rules were, it was already a done deal. Whoever, whoever wins, the others, they're, they're, they're going to go be their slaves like you win. So when David defeated Goliath, what happened? They were like, it says they surged forward, all of them. They all surged forward. We've got it. Let's go. We're going to win. They took him out. Now imagine. Imagine the absurdity if in that moment the Philistines are ours. I mean, our, our little David defeated their champion. Imagine the absurdity. Some of the Israelite warriors. Now y'all go ahead. I'm going to sit back here. I'm going to chill. I'm going to eat some of that cheese David brought us. I'm just going to do my gig. I mean, we're going to win anyway. I know we're going to win. So y'all go do it. No, the joy, the joy. If they'd been taunted, if they'd been taunted for 40 days, in that moment, their great joy is, holy cabooses, let's go take them out. Their great joy is, those, that, those are the ones have been taunting us. This is our, I mean, let's go. In the same way, when Jesus defeated the enemy and Jesus then raises from the dead, Jesus then comes back. He looks at his disciples and says, you therefore go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the end of time. Can you imagine if you're one of the disciples, if you're like, now nah, let's just sit right here. That's all right. No. If you read the accounts, you read church history, 11 of them, 11 of them died in service unto God. One of them on the island of Patmos, exiled. The other 10, the other 10, martyred. Just for fun, let me read those to you. Philip, crucified. Barnabas, burned to death. Peter, crucified upside down. Paul, beheaded in Rome. 
Andrew crucified. I know Paul wasn't one of the 12, so delete that one, but Paul still was a follower of Christ. Andrew crucified. Matthew beheaded. Luke hung. Thomas speared to death. Mark dragged to death. That means that they tied him up to a horse, hit the horse, and the horse took off running out of the city. James clubbed to death. John exiled. All right. In order to give your life like they gave their life, you believe. You believe in the one that you knew, that you walked with, that you saw raised from the dead, that you literally put your hand, you know, in his side, put your hand right here where the nails went in, and they gave their lives. Today, you and I have the great privilege of either being wimps or warriors. We have the opportunity, and half of you, half of you, maybe more than half of you, don't walk like warriors. You walk like church brats, sweethearts, you know? Because you're comfortable. You're even a little bit entertained by some of the things here. But, 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 but the reason why I could say that is because I, I, I've known so many high school kids that did massive prayer and fasting, massive evangelism, massive sacrifice, massive giving their lives for the gospel, massive attempts to try to reach their friends. And and I know that they exist. So it's not a pie in the sky idea, but what many do is it's the moment where literally we need to surge forward, where literally we have the great commission, where literally Jesus has won and now we get to spread the victory. And many of you, instead of going out, you're kind of like, like you sit back, pull out your ministry remote control. Here. Stefan, you go do it. I'll watch the pastors. I'll watch the kids in burn. I'll just watch you do it. Ah, it's great. I'm all for it. Go for it, man. You're a couch potato Christian. God's given you victory. Jesus has paid the price. Forever the enemy is under his feet. His footstool. Psalm 110 is our future. God's raising up voluntary warriors that have worshipped in private, worshipped God like crazy. And he's looking for warriors. He wants warriors. It's very easy to sit back and listen to the taunts of the enemy. Be scared. Think mostly about your own strength. But in this next year, we want to see not prayer meetings on every campus because we believe in a model, because we think prayer meetings are cool, because let's categorically put David as the prayer guy, which some of you have done. But because we believe that your friends need Jesus, that Jesus died on a cross for them, and that there is someone that Jesus has told to tell them the good news of the gospel, and it's you. It's you. You're the one that's supposed to surge forward. You're the one that's supposed to take the gospel into all the world. You're the one that hears the good news of the glorious God. You're the one with the mission. You're the one with the vision. You're the one that needs in this year 
As we go into this fall, don't sit back and listen to Goliath. Well, my freshman year, I heard that taunting. My sophomore year, I heard that. And sexual immorality is so strong and postmodernism is so strong and the kids really love their, you know, friends more than God and, and, and no. God wants to raise up warriors that aren't defined by Goliath's taunt. They're defined by the God they know. You come at me with sword and javelin, I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. How dare you defy the armies of the living God? How dare you? How dare you? Where are the young Davids? You're gonna, sexual immorality is gonna be rampant in my high school? I don't think so. A high school that doesn't have the Christians unified in prayer on the campus? I don't think so. Jesus told us all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. Therefore, you go make disciples. You go do what I've been doing. All authority on my watch. On my watch, we're going to pray. On my watch, I got, a four, I got four years in this high school. On my watch, we're going to see miracles. I'll never forget. I'll never forget having a Bible study my junior year. A senior came over. Real cool guy. Popular. I was kind of scared that he was coming over because I thought he was going to make fun of us. And he did come, he did come. He was going to come and just see what it was about because God was doing all this stuff. He was a uh, gymnast guy, like jumpy guy. He had broken his, or he had uh, sprained his ankle. Came in on crutches. He left without him. You know what happens? You know what happens when you say, not on my watch? God will do miracles. People will come to Jesus like faith. But we need willing ones that choose to be warriors rather than wimps. You got four years, man. You got four years, young lady. These are glorious days. Don't waste them. Don't waste them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what God would do? What if all of us here chose to be warriors? What if all of us chose not to listen to the enemy's taunting and said, uh-uh, no. I'm gonna give everything. Meet me on the valley. I have got myself a slingshot and you're going down and the carcasses of all your buddies. How do you get there? How do you become a warrior? It's not in your own strength. Worship a lot in private like David did. You'll become bold in public. It's not my personality. How, what's, Kate, what's your personality? I mean, look, at, look, stand up real quick. You're, you got red hair like David. There it is, yeah. All right, look at this, all right? This is Kate, all right? We're talking like sweet, smiley girl here. This isn't like, this isn't like huge, demonstrative, weightlifting, barbaric man, right? And God's using her for faith to come to faith. <laughs> I like saying it. Faith came to faith. That's what we need. That's what we need. We need that. We need you to worship in private. Worship in secret. And you'll be bold in public. You'll be bold. You'll be courageous. 
it's possible. You could reach your high school. Oh yeah, it could happen. You could see 20 kids come to faith. You could see healings. You could see a prayer movement. Oh yeah, it's possible. It just needs a man or woman of faith. It just needs someone to say, it's not, by, it's not because of me, but you've, come, you've defamed my God and I know who my God is and not on my watch. This high school, while I'm here, I'm gonna be a burning, shining lamp and make sure that they know the good news of the gospel. Hide and watch. Hide and watch what God will do through one willing one, one warrior. All we need is one warrior. If we get a warrior on every campus, we'll change the campus. Jesus will change the campus. Amen. Will you stand with me? Nico, if you and the band want to come on up, I just want to pray for you guys. I'm not going to have you come forward tonight. But tonight, if you say, I want to be a warrior. And, and it, it is culturally, I mean, we're looking, you've got to break some cultural faux pas. You know? Everybody thought David was nuts. That's a part of walking with God. Right now, people think Tyrell is nuts because he's doing some things that are risky. You got to take some risks. But there's glory in it. There's joy in it. There's life in it. Vision in it. I'm telling you, there's no greater place to live. The thrill of being wholehearted is the thrill of Christianity. Christianity is for the warriors. God will use you. God is in you. God is for you. All you got to do is be willing. If you want to warrior spirit tonight, greater courage, greater, greater boldness, just raise your hand pray for you. Father, I ask that every hand raised would become a mighty worshiper. Instead of watching television in private, would they be worshipers in private? Instead of spending their evenings playing video games, God, would they be worshipers? They turn on the iPod and go in their bedroom. I pray that you would give them visions of what you want to do in their schools. Literally. I pray that they'd wake up in the night with a dream of what you want to do, even a method, even an action plan. God, give us souls in this city. God, we're asking God as DSM in the early days, God, do something new. Oh God, bring in thousands, thousands to know God. Raise up warriors. I pray that every man and every woman with their hand raised, they'd be a worshiper. And as a worshiper like David, when they go onto the battlefield, that they would run to the battle. They would not be timid. They would not be scared. They would not run in fear, but they'd be fearless, God. God, raise up fearless warriors. Holy Spirit, touch them. Holy Spirit, we can't do it. We need God. We can't do it because we just grit our teeth and say, oh, we're going to run to the battle. No, it takes God to have victory on the battle. We need you, God. Give us opportunities. I pray for strategies. Instead of the summers being night after night of going to the movies, I pray for spontaneous prayer meetings. 
pray for a young woman in this room that would get a vision, a strategic vision of how to launch evangelism on our school. Crusades. God, give us evangelism crusades. I, I ask for gymnasiums on campuses where there are meetings led by students, for students, where hundreds get saved in, an, in, in five minutes. God, God, I pray for a football player that's here that takes the opportunity at football practice to preach the gospel and, and, and 10 kids get saved in a day. I pray for the courage. I pray for the courage, Lord God, to study the scriptures harder than we study media. Study the scriptures and pray. Raise up warriors in this house. Raise up warriors in this house, God. I pray for a young man in this room that would literally, like John G. Lake, see a healing revival at his school. Literally, like, I pray that you place healing just as you did. Bind up the brokenhearted. God, help us to be a voice to the hurting. God, I pray that you would help us to have courage to go talk to those that are not popular and not cool, not wearing the cool clothes. I'm going to sit with them and sup with them and dine with them and talk with them and be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. God, give us souls, God, for your name, for your fame, that when we stand before you one day, that there would be a great multitude of which no one could count from our high schools in our city, God. Colorado Springs, we pray. Raise up a warrior spirit. A warrior spirit in this house like we haven't known in decades. Behold, I do a new thing. Do it here, God. Do it here. Do it here. Do it here, God, we pray. Every hand raised, I pray, Lord God, warriors. Would you say we want to be warriors, God? Raise up the willing ones. Raise up the warriors. In the name of Jesus. And all the warriors said amen. All the warriors say amen. Come on, let's give God a shout. Yeah. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life. 